welcome back to the Schiller and Hamilton podcast. We're here yet again today, and today we have the illustrious Joel Hamilton back in the hot seat instead of the interviewer seat. Um, and I think today we're going to talk about some truck accidents, correct? Yeah, I think so. It's awesome. nice to be the interviewee for the change. Yeah, it's a little change of pace for yeah. you. And I've actually has not, have not been interviewed in a while. So By the way, thank you for the coffee. That's no delicious. problem at all. You know, 3.30 on a Friday afternoon, you need a little extra that's right. To, to get through the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about trucking accidents. Okay. Meaning, you know, when someone is involved in an accident with a semi-truck or tractor-trailer truck, whatever you want to call it. Um, let's just start right off the bat. Um, we've talked about several times about the differences or, or the nuances of a case as to why you might have, want to have a lawyer. So let's talk about these trucking accidents in specific. What are some specific things about trucking accidents that you would spur you to want to have legal representation? Well, trucking cases are totally different from your regular run-of-the-mill just car wreck. So when, as soon as you have a, a tractor-trailer involved or a, a large truck, it opens up a whole new layer of regulations that just don't exist for a run-of-the-mill traffic accident. So in addition to your rules of the road, your state laws that would apply in a regular traffic accident – you all of a sudden also have an entire world of federal regulations on top of that. Okay. So like an airplane or like buses, I mean, they're a regulated industry. Exactly. Highly regulated. Um, So anyway, if you're a lay person and you're struck by a tractor trailer, there's all of a sudden a whole world of new regulations that are going to be foreign to you, as well as a whole world of possible relevant evidence that needs to be obtained um, and there's only one good way to obtain that, and that's through the legal process. Okay. Um, specifically, what are some of those rules and regulations that mm-hmm. will come forward during you know, the legal process uh, in a trucking case? So the rules that we're referring to are the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations. And the FMCSRs um, basically apply to motor carriers, um, which inc- includes the um, – the, basically the truck itself, so they cover the truck, the driver, and the company. And all those rules impose a certain set of duties and obligations upon the company, the driver, and whoever is maintaining the truck to, to perform their duties according to a certain standard. Um, and among those standards, there's very specific rules down to um, you know, the, the cables that connect the trailer to the back of the truck. If you're ever going down the highway and you see the red and the blue cables kind of bouncing between the truck and the trailer, those have to be new and very clearly distinguished between the red and the blue, for instance. So just about everything is covered under those rules. So just day-to-day, any truck you see on the road, they're going to be following all these rules and regulations on their day-to-day travels. Well, that's the idea. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to. And it, it really comes down to, like, for the driver, it's it's basically, like, you know, the the who, what, where, and why of, of transport. So, you know, for the driver, they're required to do a pre-trip inspection. They're required to maintain their logs if they're engaged in interstate commerce or outside of a certain radius of the home terminal um, you know, so they're not allowed to spend more than a certain number of hours in the cab driving versus time off versus in the sleeper berth. Um, and all that is based on, you know, how far they're traveling and, and, and what, you know, if, if they're staying overnight and that sort of thing. And so, and it's cumulative too over the week. So again, it's important to get like all the evidence that you can and get mm-hmm. those logbooks back, you know, at least for the, a week or two. So you can piece together what that driver's history was over the last few weeks. 
Um, as far as the truck goes, you know, the truck has to be maintained. So whoever is in charge of the truck has to perform all of the maintenance to keep it up to, you know, proper um, status so that it can actually be safe on the road. Um, the motor carrier themselves, the company, they're required to have, you know, training, um, certain hiring practices, um, regular drug testing of its drivers. They can't knowingly put the driver in a situation or even negligently put the driver in a situation where the driver has to exceed their hours in order to meet a goal for a delivery. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of ways that a motor carrier um, has to look out for or be aware of those rules. And any any transportation company like Worth It Salt um, spends a lot of time and effort and money um, to be aware and to comply with those rules. Certainly. Um I mean, you can sit here and imagine, you know, as a lay, assuming, you know, if I was a layperson or a layperson could, you know, sit here and imagine that these FMC, FMCSR, that's a new. We'll just call them the rules. How the rules. One? Let's just yeah. call them the rules. Um, these rules obviously govern everything about the trucking industry, but mm-hmm. how does that apply specifically or, or generally, I guess, uh, when you're dealing with a case where someone was in an accident with a yeah. trailer truck? So. You, the reason why they're applicable is because you want to look for violations of those rules that may have contributed to the wreck okay. or may have been a cause. Um, for instance, we've had cases where, you know, a driver tested positive for illicit drugs, um, the driver of the truck after the wreck. Um, so then it obviously became very relevant as to, you know, whether the company was testing that person. Um, so, you know, that's the way... Driver fatigue is a is a big cause of, of several of these wrecks. So making sure that the logbooks are correct, uh, making sure that there are logbooks, that we don't have drivers that are exceeding their hours. And believe it or not, sometimes those records are falsified. So then once you get the records, you have to go through and piece together the time and the distance of the trips over the last week and see if they could have completed those trips and the certain number of hours that they're actually showing. Um so yeah, there's there's lots of ways that a violation can contribute to a wreck. Um, another classic example is like failure to properly maintain the vehicle. So if the brakes aren't replaced after a certain number of miles, if you know the the driver isn't doing a pre-trip inspection and they didn't see a bubble on the side of a tire that was there, um, or if lights are out or or reflectors or signals. Um, you know, there's a, a laundry list of things that need to be checked in that pre-trip inspection. And any one of those things could possibly contribute or cause some type of dangerous situation that can lead to a wreck. Oh, so so basically what you're saying here, and I don't want to get too much into, you know, the, the specifics of a legal case, but mm-hmm. they're just adding an entire another level of a duty of care. Yeah, that normal driver on the road, you know, we have the duty of care of to drive, you know, on the mm-hmm. rules of the road, you know, follow ordinances and, and rules and speed limits and things like that. But this is adding in a complete other level of Correct. a standard of care that could be breached. It's a very specific and heightened standard of care um, that basically is a reaction to um, the possible harms and losses that can occur due to a tractor trailer accident. You know, these very large, very heavy vehicles. Mm-hmm. There's really no such thing as a small tractor trailer wreck. Generally, if if something happens involving a large commercial vehicle, the consequences are going to be significant. And the federal government has decided that those potential risks are worthy of regulation at the federal level, which is why those rules exist. Okay. Well, let's talk about what it governs, you know, or how it governs, you mm-hmm. know, 
these drivers and these trucking companies and shipping companies and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it also, I mean, it, it governs literally every part okay. of the day-to-day operations of the trucking company okay. um, from how they recruit, how they train drivers, how the drivers actually um, are onboarded. Um, you know, they have to maintain a driver file that includes all of their drug tests those drivers have to be dispatched in a certain manner according to, you know, the time and distance of the trip and whether or not that that trip could potentially end up resulting in a, in an hours violation. Um, when the driver arrives to pick up a load, you know, they're required to do a pre-trip inspect to, to secure the load, do a pre-trip inspection. Um, well, let me tell you what's somewhat complicated about these things is just the layers of legal entities that often exist when we're talking about trucking cases. Um, and that's really where some of the uh, complexity comes in because in addition to, you know, the rules that we're talking about, we're also talking about how those rules apply to multiple entities. Very rare. Do you have a, very rarely do you have a situation where you have a company driver driving a company truck, pulling a company trailer and they're all working for the company, which is also the the motor carrier of record. The more regular scenario is you have the motor carrier, or the, the you know you actually have the company that is employing an owner operator who owns his own truck that's driving a trailer that's owned by some leasing company that maybe even the trucking company owns or owns a part of that leasing company. And so now all of a sudden you have multiple layers of legal entities um, that you're going to have to dig into and find out, you know, about all of their hiring practices, whether each of those were being cognizant of the rules and to what degree there's overlap between all those things. Because if you have one company that's trying to create some legal separation between its different components to kind of isolate legal liability, they have to also recognize those distinctions and how they do business and make sure all of the transactions that occur between each of their own parts are done at an arm's length. And if they're failing to do that, then um, as lawyers, we have a better argument to pierce the corporate veils that may isolate each of those entities. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you have not just the rules, but typically multiple layers of legal entities that you now have to try to sift your way through and, and send rep letters to and uh, potentially file lawsuits against and so forth. So in other words, you know, for a, a, a claimant, um, someone that's a victim of, of a wreck like this, um, one of the biggest questions is like, where do you even start? And, and without proper legal representation, it's nearly impossible to, to dig into each of those things and figure out what it is that you need to get. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you were just saying, we've talked about the rules and then we have, you could, it's not just a driver and a car you mm-hmm. have, multiple legal entities, you have shady practices possibly going around, Mm -hmm. you have all of these layers that are building on top of your standard run-of-the-mill collision. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, I'm sure most people would know that, you know, truck drivers have to have a commercial driver's license. And I'm sure that carries a whole load of regulations and, and duties as well. So talk about that a little bit. So not just anyone can jump behind the wheel of a commercial vehicle and operate that commercial vehicle. And all these things are, are legally defined. So, you know, a commercial vehicle is a vehicle that's engaged in interstate commerce that weighs over 10,000 pounds or involved in intrastate commerce that basically weighs over 26,000. I think it's 26,001 pounds. 
Um, but basically, so if you have a, a truck that weighs over 26,000 pounds, it's definitely going to qualify as a commercial vehicle. If it's over 10,000 pounds and it's crossing straight state lines and engaged in commerce, then it's also a commercial vehicle. So you can't just jump behind the wheel of one of these vehicles and drive it without being properly trained. And so there are, you know, time and hour requirements and just it's imagine you remember your driving test when you were 15 or whatever. Imagine that like cranked up to 11, basically. Um, you know, the driver has schooling and hours requirements. Um, and then they have to maintain that CDL. They're supposed to maintain basically a perfect driving record in order to maintain that CDL. And if the government doesn't require it, their liability carrier basically requires it because they don't want to insure anybody that's going to be um, a ampli- amplified risk for them or their company. Wow. Um. All right, so we've talked about real briefly. Anyway. Well, there's a lot of layers of complexity. There, there's a, there. Yeah, there's a lot of complexity. And I'm trying here. not to get into like yeah. the uh, the the academic part of it because it has to be relevant. You know, we want to keep it relevant to the listener. Yeah, but we we we're not trying to scare people either. But at the same time, you know, it is good to know these things that there's there's a lot of moving parts in these cases. There are a lot of different entities to involve with rules, regulations, government entities to deal with state, federal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right now we've shown that it is important to have an attorney, but why is it critical to have one right out of the gate? Well, let me tell you what the attorney has to do right out of the gate. So when you have a potential world of, of regulations to deal with and a, and a whole universe of potential violations of those regulations, and you have companies and trucks and people and, you know, trailers and all these different components, preservation of evidence out of the gate is the biggest thing with most trucking cases. Um, When you have totaled vehicles, when you have loads that maybe have shifted and have caused wrecks, when you have trailers that aren't properly maintained, um, you've got to get to the evidence right away and start documenting that evidence. You have to get to the company right away and start getting them to preserve any evidence that they have. And so right out of the gate, you have to send very specific letters to those companies, spoliation letters that list all of the things that you want that company to preserve for evidence. And you're probably going to want to send someone to go look at that truck, which y'all did not too. Yeah. We yeah did, just we a couple did, weeks we ago, you got, you got that experience where yeah. you had to go document everything. Um, so you need to get to the truck right away and you need to, you know, document any, any violations that are visible with the truck. Um, and depending on the wreck, you probably also want to get that truck's black box, which is the information on the truck, just like an airplane, um, that records speed, braking distances, all of those things. Um, but all those, all those bits of evidence could possibly disappear or erode or be in a state of some disrepair into the future. So you want to make sure that you're getting to it right away. So it's important for the lawyer right out of the way to send those letters and really right out of the gate. I mean, my philosophy is on a trucking case, if there's basically any degree of damages, we just file suit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a regular, you know, auto wreck case where you may wait till someone's done treating, you know, get the medical records together, send a demand, take the opportunity to try to resolve the case before you file suit. With a trucking case, you just really can't do that. You have to jump in right away and start digging into all of those things because time is your worst enemy in a trucking case. And in order to preserve our clients' rights, we have to be able to jump on that immediately. You have to be able to. Um, and and that, you can imagine, like the the case that we had recently, there was 
um, there were reasons to go get pictures of the trailer and, and see where damage was on the trailer. And if that trailer, if they keep using it and, you know, you don't get pictures of it till eight months later, well, trailers take a lot of damage backing into loading docks and being in yards and, you know, people bumping them with tow motors or forklifts or whatever the case may be. Um, and over the life of a trailer, they get dinged up quite a bit. And it, so you could have a year later, there's 10 more dents on that trailer yeah. and you have no idea what was caused from what. So, or it could be across the country. Or it could be across the country. <laughs> it could be gone. Yeah. And then good luck. Yeah. So, because in that case that we were just dealing with a couple of weeks ago, we had an independent operator mm-hmm. and he had a trailer, you know, from a company that he had picked up. So, fortunately, it was still together. Um, and we were able to go take pictures, but of course, he could have dropped that trailer off and been on to his next job. And we have no idea. And the trailer was critical to the f- specific facts of that accident. So, mm-hmm. um, well, that sounds pretty good, Joel. I mean, I know we've kind of touched it briefly, but is there anything else you want to kind of talk about more specifically? About the FM, let's just call them the rules. <laughs> the well, FMCSR. The big takeaway is, um, you know, if if you're involved in a wreck or any incident involving what you suspect to be a commercial vehicle, and it's basically the smell test. Test if it's a large truck, then it's probably a commercial vehicle. Um, if if you believe that to be the case, then it's definitely not something that you want to handle on your own. And you're going to want to contact attorneys who are accustomed to dealing with tractor-trailer cases and understand the layers of complexity that come with those things. Um, so I would encourage anyone to, to reach out, especially to Schiller and Hamilton, because we have a lot of experience with that, mm-hmm. um, to discuss those issues if they have been involved or a loved one has been involved in an accident or a wreck involving a tractor-trailer. Well, great. Well, Hopefully someone does not need it or need this information. Right. Uh, because like we've said, you know, usually most vehicles on the road are going to lose the physics battle. Exactly. When you're dealing with yep. a uh, tractor trailer truck or even like we said, I mean, interstate commerce, we could be talking about a landscape truck, mm-hmm. um, could be over 10,000 pounds, a small box truck. Um, things like that could also be under those rules. Exactly. And so we have to make sure you, you're keeping not just in mind of tractor trailer trucks, but anything that could, like you said, could be commercial. If it's a business it's probably going to fall under these rules. So, well, uh, I appreciate you sitting down. I know it was yeah. a very brief uh, day today, but we're all busy. So That's right. I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, if anyone needs any assistance with anything like this, if you've been in an accident like this or have any questions, uh, please feel free to give us a call and we'd love to help you out. And uh, thanks for watching. <laughs>